Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, back in the state of Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. We promise, we promise we will get to the C Spire text line today. I know it's been a little uh, a little spotty this week, but if you want to be part of the conversation, and we've got a lot to talk about, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, and that's right here in Seaspire country. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, everybody home safely from Nashville. I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us. First of all, uh, kind of a week in review. It was uh, it was SEC Media Days. If you happen to have been out all week, uh, we think you've missed a uh, pretty good week of shows. Those are all available to you on demand at supertalk.fm. You can download the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast. And as Haydad and Borky reminded me yesterday, you can uh, watch all of the video content on the Super Talk Mississippi YouTube page. And there is a ton of it there from the last four days. Good afternoon, fellas. Somebody, speaking of media days, needs to teach the Pac-12 a lesson in marketing, public relations, whatever it is. Okay. So the SEC Media Days is by far the biggest media event in college football before a season begins. By far. It's, Correct. It's a spectacle, and they make it one. All week long, national media descends on a certain place, and they spend four days away from their family and all that stuff. And by the end of the week, you can tell everybody's a bit tired. The, the media day stuff kind of by, by the end of day four is like okay it's time to you know reset go home. The Pac-12 had theirs today on a Friday um, on the same week that the SEC does theirs, which by the way they held it in a nightclub in Las Vegas. But about to say you, you say that they could learn some things about branding and things like that. I think the SEC could learn about location. Yeah, but none of the uh, none of the. Uh, interesting stuff in the nightclub were happening during the event. It's mostly just like, can you imagine what happened up on that platform? Yeah, but you're in Vegas. You can wait You can wait for the PM and then get to that nightclub. But still, what are you doing? 
I mean, Lincoln Riley and Lincoln Riley, one of the most recognizable coaches in college football, and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, soon to be one-one overall in the draft, were hanging out <clears throat> on a Friday. Uh, just very, very bizarre. That somebody needs to teach them public relations and marketing. I was listening to some of the national coverage as I was driving home from Nashville yesterday, and I heard a lot of people saying, yeah, four days is too much for the SEC. Maybe this should be a three-day event. I, I mean, I guess, but, I mean, other than some people complaining on the fourth day, is there any reason to seed a day of coverage? I mean, no. look, bottom line is, it, it is, this is not a complaint, even in the least, but they are filling four days of programming. I saw a note from uh, one of the media relations people at ESPN and said that they had delivered 47 hours of programming on the SEC network, as opposed to, you know, whatever else they're showing on repeat this time of year. So they accomplished that, and most everybody stayed for the entire four days. Yeah. You're a little tired when you get to the end of it, but but that's okay. But and you put it, the, the SEC did a good job of putting first off, obviously, sort of. I know we were in Nashville where Vanderbilt is, but Tennessee is kind of the home team. So putting them on the last day was a smart move. And everybody wants to talk to Kiffin. Everybody wants to get their sound bite with Lane Kiffin, so people yeah. are going to hang around to do that. So putting them on the last day, smart business. Yeah, if you had made the last day South Carolina and Missouri and Vanderbilt, then you probably wouldn't have held people's attention for a fourth day. Uh, but they didn't do Yesterday's that. Yesterday's show I, would have been in the studio. I, I have a feeling it wouldn't have kept ours either. No. Yes, yes, I uh, I think no. you are uh, are correct about that. Uh, but all in all, I thought a good week. And, hey, Dad, I know you love Vegas like none other, and that's fine. I've never been to Vegas, and so I, I don't have a frame of reference. I thought Nashville knocked it out of the park. I, I just thought it was convenient. The hotel was great. You know, you had restaurants that were close, good restaurants, Tourist restaurants, quick stuff, longer meal stuff, whatever you wanted, it was within walking distance or a short Uber ride from the uh, from the hotel. Downtown Atlanta doesn't really offer that like it once nah. did. Um, access was easy on everything. I, I just thought there was a lot of good. We'll see what it's like in Dallas next year. That's going to be a, a little bit different feel. Going to be a new spot. It's going to be chaos in a good way, but the. There's rarely hype going into a a media day. It's great to be there. Content's excellent. I thought, especially with us this week, was really good. Tech, Dallas, when Texas and Oklahoma joined, is going to be a circus. Again, in a good way, but it's going to be a circus. It was a working room for four days this week. It was. Everybody's there working. Next year in Dallas is going to be chaotic. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I mean, define chaotic. I mean, they're going to walk Bebo through the lobby. <laughs> the actual one? Yeah. The, the, the cow itself. Yeah, they got to yeah. assert their dominance. Remember mm. when Bebo attacked Ugga? That backfired. What if the schooner comes through, too, as well? Yeah, see? I mean, they started, they started right playing the fight table. songs this year when the coaches took the stage. That was awkward. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, I noticed that they no, did that a couple of times, and it was like, yeah. I okay. never went in the big room one time. Never went in there. Really? Yeah. Well, okay. It was there for the taking if you wanted it, but uh, um, you know, had plenty of uh, plenty of action yeah. where where we were. It was a long walk from where the coaches came out to the podium, 
And it's not like anybody claps or anything. That's not, it's a working thing. Nobody's like, eh, Lane Kiffin, all right, let's go. So he walks like 20 yards on this this stage with <laughs> nothing else on it with the fight song playing. And all the coaches had to do that. It was so awkward. Yeah, it would be great if Jimbo, when he had gotten up to the podium, had like stuck his arms out and just started swaying back and yeah. forth while they were sawing varsity's horns <laughs> off. But uh, no, you, didn't, you did not get that. What you did get was uh, some of the media contingent voting on the All-SEC team. We have a mix. Brian Haydad selected his All-SEC. He did the entire ballot. And then when he finished filling it out, he hit submit. Michael Borky filled out his entire ballot, and he hit submit, but he didn't copy and paste so that he could remember who all he selected for the All-SEC team in the order of finish. Correct. And then there was me, who filled out the entire ballot online, copied it and pasted it into a Word document, and then forgot to go back and actually hit Submit. So, we, we, we do have all the bases. plenty to talk about. But you did go back and eventually submit it, so... So you yeah, did get your yeah, ballot yeah. in, correct? So, so, okay. so, we've, so we've got all of this there, and we have the release from the SEC today with the predicted order of finish. Uh, there are lots of people that are angry today. Um, if you'd been paying attention, you knew what this was going to be in advance because we've been telling you for weeks what it was going to look like in advance and pretty darn close to accurate in terms of our predictions of what the media was going to predict. Off a little bit, though. And and the thing that we debated the most was whether or not Alabama or LSU would be picked first in the West. And despite the fact that, Borky, I don't know where you voted on this. Did, did you pick LSU to finish first? I did. Okay, so I didn't all, like it, but I did it. All three of us picked LSU to win the West this year. And so did 114 other people, but Alabama still got the most first-place votes, and they finished picked first in the SEC West once again this year. They got 165 first-place votes. LSU got 117. Texas A&M got one first-place vote. Ole Miss did not receive any. Arkansas got three first-place votes. Auburn got four first-place votes. Mississippi State got one first-place vote. And yes, the order Wasn't in which me. I read those names is also the predicted order of finish. Alabama 1, Same. LSU 2, Texas A&M 3, Ole Miss 4, Arkansas 5, Auburn 6, Mississippi State 7. So the, you, you get, how does it work? You get seven points for a first place vote and one right. point for a last place vote, yeah. right? All right, yeah, so in yes. terms of the, the voting was pretty close. Alabama had a total of 1,899 points when you factor in all their first-place votes and, and so forth. LSU had 1,838 first-place votes. And I think those two numbers being in the 1800s tell you that pretty much everybody, pretty much everybody picked those two teams to finish in some combination of first and second. No surprise there. And we and we should mention that Touchdown Alabama does have 168 credentialed members. So that's probably the difference there. Texas A&M, big drop-off between second place and third place, 1,144 votes. 
really close between A&M and Ole Miss for third place, Ole Miss with 1,128 votes. Arkansas got 958, Auburn 685, and Mississippi State 490. Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Got uh, some interviews that we did not deliver to you this week that we will get to this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We visited earlier in the week with Barrett Salee, and we talked with him some about predicted order of finish. And so uh, we will have that conversation for you coming up in the next segment. Michael Borky was able to sit down and visit with Tony Barnhart. We'll start the 4 o'clock hour with that. Hey, Dad. And Borky talked with uh, Jacob Hester, and then I had a visit with Ross Dellinger. All those coming. What? What are you shaking your head about? I talked to Jacob. I'm the only one to talk to Jacob Hester. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry. He wants his appropriate credit. My, my apologies. That's right. I mean, Borky angry. got his. So. Well, so yeah, that, that was the part of the day where. Hey, Dad and Hester, yeah, that was... Richard and Ross. Mm-hmm. A lot of alliteration there. There you go. That 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 interview that I did with Jacob Hester, that was the part of the day where I was working, and God knows where you were. You know, sometimes you just stay away for a little while to make sure other people are working. Ah, is that what it is? <laughs> something like that. H- Hester said something to me on Friday. I got down there at like uh, I don't remember what time, and it was like seven thirty or seven forty-five. Oh, I'm sorry, on on when Thursday. And uh, he just looked at me and goes, every time I look up, you're sitting over there. But I don't ever see Cross. Cross was eating breakfast at that point yesterday. So was I. I was eating it at the table. I had a blueberry, delicious blueberry muffin. Mm, I had some blueberry ricotta pancakes just around the corner from where you were. Ooh, okay. Now now I am a little jealous. All right. So the Western Division order of finish predicted. Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State. Yeah, people raising a stink about it. And it, it's kind of funny. This is this is how things work. Like, oh, they don't matter, they don't matter, but here's why I'm mad. Um, if you look at the voting here, it tells you how unserious it is. What, Vanderbilt got eight votes to win the SEC in this? <laughs> well, it was in Nashville. But still. Or uh, I mean, somebody just decided to make a mockery of it for fun, uh, which is, okay. In part. That's far more likely. Auburn yeah. got four votes to win the SEC. Uh, Arkansas got three. Shout out to the the, the Ole Miss contingent that was there. Nobody made a joke out of it. Um, you should not have voted Ole Miss to win the SEC if you were taking it seriously. Now, you know, things happen, whatever, but um, getting mad about a poll that has Vanderbilt with eight first-place votes on it, at that point, kind of becomes a you problem. It's unserious. It's a preseason poll. People make jokes out of it. It's uh, you, I promise you, you have people there that picked all of their available players first-team All-SEC. I promise. So, if it doesn't matter, then act like it doesn't matter. I know that's preachy, but it's true. Save your emotional capital on something more important. 
Yeah, I just like I'm kind of like whatever. You want to complain, complain. Uh, people do a lot of complaining, and maybe that's how they. I, I just uh, wish we would have some idea of like, is it serious or is it not? If it's not serious, that's fine. It's not serious. I'll, I'll take it unseriously. But if we're actually in there trying to figure out, you know, who we who we really think is going to do this, then there's got to be some sort of like, all right, we're making everybody's vote public or but, but, or something. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know which one it is. Yeah, but you just treat it the way you want to. We, we treat it seriously, ish. Yeah. But we do that for the purposes of this radio show. This doesn't matter. I mean, preseason. All anything doesn't matter. It's just a line to go in notes that people will talk about throughout the course of the season. What matters is those awards that go out at the end. So I, I just I don't understand complaining about it, but some people like to complain. Uh, I would like for us to compare how we predicted the SEC West order of finish in comparison to what the media writ large predicted. So, hey, Dad, what was your what was your order of finish? LSU, Bama, A&M, State, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn. Okay. So you were flip-flopped on Alabama and LSU. You had A&M third. Mm -hmm. That's where they predicted. You had State fourth. They were predicted last. You had Ole Miss fifth. Is that right? Or sixth? Correct. Okay, you had Ole Miss fifth. They were picked fourth. You had Arkansas sixth. They were picked fifth. And you had Auburn last, and they were picked sixth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Basically, I bumped State up from last to fourth, and that made I knocked everybody else down a peg. I had LSU one, Alabama two. I picked Ole Miss three with some level of trepidation. I got A&M at four. Just got to prove it to me. Arkansas five. I picked Mississippi State six, and I picked Auburn seventh in the West. We joke back and forth. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you ultimately why I picked Mississippi State sixth, and we can agree or disagree on that. But it wasn't, it wasn't one of these things where it's like, oh, well, Mississippi State always finishes ahead of where it's predicted, so I'm going to predict them two spots ahead of where I think they're going to finish. It just kind of went based on the schedule, what I thought, you know, kind of thought how it was going to play out, and then slotted them that way. Uh, we'll do that in just a second, Borky. What was your order of finish for the West? Uh, flip-flop LSU and Alabama, so LSU won Alabama too. I hated it. I felt uncomfortable doing it, but I did have A&M where they are right now. I hate it. I can't stand it, uh, but I had them there. Uh, I did have Ole Miss where they are uh, and put Mississippi State ahead of Arkansas and Auburn. So Auburn last, Arkansas six, State, Ole Miss, A&M, Alabama, and LSU in reverse order. Yeah. Here's how I got to Mississippi State at sixth in the West. I got them beating Southeastern Louisiana and beating Arizona to start the year 2-0. Losing at home to LSU, so it goes to 2-1. I think South Carolina is a coin flip, but because it was on the road, I went loss, so that's 2-2. Alabama's 2-3. Beating Western Michigan to get to 3-3. Losing on the road to Arkansas to fall to 3-4. Winning at Auburn to get to 4-4. Beating Kentucky at home to get to 5-4. Losing at A&M. That's five and five. A win over Southern Miss, six and five, and then losing to Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, so six and six. First of all, how dare you with uh, the second to last game of the year? All right, hey Dad. So, so you you whistled and you shook your head when I said that. Tell tell me what's I mean, outlandish about that. I just think 
I mean, you've got them. You've got them. Owen, do you have them zero four on the road? Did I read? Did I hear that right? Or did you have them beating Auburn? I had them winning at Auburn. So one and three on the road. I, I mm-hmm. feel like they'll get one more. I, th- I think they're just better than Arkansas. I think they're just a better football team than Arkansas is. Okay. Um, and the Egg Bowl. I mean, it's in Starkville. I like that. I think State's the more veteran team. I think State has fewer question marks than Ole Miss does. So, yeah, but by week twelve, I, would, I mean I, questions will be answered. Right, but I, I feel I fear that for Ole Miss, those questions will be answered with they ain't got it. Okay. And that's question the cool thing marks, about this. I mean, we just we it's okay for us to disagree on it. Yeah. I, well, I if, think, if we if we just agreed on everything, this would be a really boring show. Yeah. But state has a the, the biggest question mark. Zach Arnett's never coached a game as uh, as the head of a program before. It's never happened. That's true. He's replacing a two-decade-long tenured college football Hall of Famer, a legend, an innovator of the sport, changed it forever. There is a chance that that doesn't go well right away. There is. But there's also, you watched the games last year. You know that that defense carried that team at times and that offensively they struggled. I mean, in, in Leach's tenure, I mean, I think the defense is the reason they have a lot of their wins. Whereas I can, I don't think I can point to a single game in three years and say, well, the defense lost in that one. They, you know, I said it many times. I thought when Leachwood came in, I thought there'd be a lot of losses like 45 42 and stuff like that. There weren't. When they lost, it was because the offense couldn't do anything. Right. I think this new offense is much better suited to Mississippi State's talents and, and skill sets. But is it in your one? I mean, we, we talk about the transition from one offensive style to another offensive style all the time. And the fact that there's a, a learning curve, and sometimes that's a year or two long learning curve. But but you think the personnel on this roster are suited to have a style change right out of the gate? I do, because I, with Rodgers being such a veteran quarterback, I feel like he, he eases that transition. If they had a new quarterback, I would definitely vote for them last. I, I, there's no getting around that. But with Rodgers there, I feel like he's he's got the confidence and, and the leadership and the ability to, to, to push this offense along. I like their skill position, guys. they got f- plenty of experience on the offensive line. I feel good about them. All right, hey, so we've only got like a minute until the break. I want you to do the exact same thing with Ole Miss's schedule that I did with State's schedule to, to get to the – because right. is 7-5 and five or 6-6? Six and six? You've, you've picked Ole Miss to go 7-5, right? 7-5, and five, yeah. I, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I'll tell you, all, right. all four Mercer, non-conference games I would get – win. Tulane. Win. Georgia Tech. Win. All right, that's three and zero at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Loss. Three and one LSU. Loss. Three and two Arkansas at home. Loss. Three and three at Auburn. Win. Four and three Vanderbilt. Win. Five and three Texas A and M. Win. Six and three at Georgia, six and four, ULM, seven and four, and then you have them losing at Mississippi State. Seven and five. And and, and so the things that we were talking about a second ago with Mississippi State's schedule, you just go the other way with with Ole Miss, their their game against Arkansas in particular. We'll be right back. Barrett Salee joins us next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi.
Mississippi continuing SEC Media Days from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Barrett Salee joins us, and uh, I've seen him in lots of places. He's been taking copious notes. He's been holding a microphone from time to time. I, I don't know who you're talking to or what you're doing, but it's it's nice to see you as always. It's nice to see you too. I have to wear a suit, yeah. which I don't. I usually don't like to wear like anything other than athletic wear, gym gym clothes, and. That's because you're like always on a treadmill or a rowing machine or a bike or well, a Braves game. Or a Braves. Like, see, but I, I don't even dress up for that. Know, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, things have been good here, man. Talking to people on microphones and trying to uh, make a living and uh, pretty much just uh, dealing with media day shenanigans. Yeah, a, a fun week. It has been fun. I think there's some good stories this year. There are, and it, they're not forced either. Like the Jimbo Saban thing from last year was like, okay, look, we're going to talk about them. We're going to give their, their boilerplate answers, but we have Jimbo and Petrino, and Jimbo having awful answers to Petrino questions. We have, which, by the way, is he just trolling us at this point? Does no, he, know, he knows what he's going to do, and he's trolling. No, or, no, he does not know what he's. You're gonna not do giving him. Credit. I'm not giving him credit for that. I'm We've got the. <laughs> thank you. We've got Georgia three peat with the Georgia stuff and the scandal, which is not really a scandal, and the AJC retracting that whole thing today, and um, you know, there's just all kinds of different things, and you know, I think beyond that, it's refreshing knowing that. You have Georgia being Georgia, what Alabama used to be. You have the questions about Alabama, which are legitimate. You have LSU with, I think, maybe it gets unnoticed that they won the West last year. And everybody around here is like, oh, yeah, they've, they've got a really good team coming back. It's almost like you, you throw back 20 years like it's an educational experience for some of us. Is there a scenario where you see – I think it was Greg McElroy we were talking to, and he goes, I think every team in the West could win seven games. Yeah. Can you get on board with that? At, uh, at the same time this yeah. year? Yeah, I could probably get on board with that. There's there's a case. There's a way that it can happen. I could see like Because here, here's the thing. Who are the worst three teams in the SEC West? Auburn. Yeah. Sorry, Mississippi State, maybe. Ole Miss? Arkansas? Texas A&M? Like, what are we, what are we doing I mean, here? But, you know? But really yes, is, that's the group. Three to yeah. seven, you, it's picking out of it. Yeah, exactly. So could all those teams make it to a bowl? Yes. Seven might be a little aggressive, yeah. but could they all go to a bowl? Absolutely. My first question is, how much money could I raise if I just choked here live on camera? From Mississippi State yeah. fans? Oh, a lot. Okay. Just a I, lot. It's, I'll think about it. The rest they of think the I, it's a personal thing for Mississippi State. I, I, I want to go on the record. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. Okay, thank you. I Pat appreciate Tully that. is my friend, and we he, are. he is an unbiased observer. If, if he doesn't like Mississippi State, it's because what he's watching leads him to think this is not going to be a good football game. Well, see, you're wrong. It, <laughs> it, because it's just, I don't like you. Oh, I tried. <laughs> you know, so that's even more reasonable. I'll be totally <laughs> honest with you. I want to talk about Alabama. I've asked this question a couple of times. Is it possible they are somehow both overrated and underrated right this second? No, I don't. I think they're, they're, they're just rated. Okay. That's the thing. I, I know that's kind of a bad answer, yeah, but, fine. you know, I think – they're talented, yeah. right? We know that they're Alabama. That that's just you know that's that's a descriptor in and of itself. But they have some massive questions, not just at the quarterback position, but the offensive line is a two-year struggle now. That's not an aberration. That's a trend, right? right. You, you make quarter, coordinator changes out of necessity. There's a reason it was a necessity, and there's a reason there's a question for it going forward. So, I think the idea that Alabama can still be Alabama, it's there. And so people can say, okay, yeah, you know, they're going to win the West. It's it's a shoe in. Okay, maybe maybe it, they will win the West. They certainly have the capability to do that. But they also, you know, could be a team that 
disappoints in a, in a pretty serious way. So I, I think there's just, the questions on both sides kind of lead me to say, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. And I think everybody here, generally speaking, will kind of come to the conclusion, yeah, yeah they're going to be all right. They're going to be good. Ten wins, 11 wins, potential undefeated. Okay, sure. But it doesn't feel like a vintage Alabama team. Yeah, no. You said coordinators out of necessity. Take, take me a step. I mean, obviously, uh, you have one that goes to the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and then Pete Golding ends up at Ole Miss. What, what's your take on the, the Pete Golding thing? Because there are a lot of Alabama fans that are so glad he's gone. There's some that are like, you know, that's kind of a genius. And Nick Saban <laughs> held on to him for a long time and fought some people off to keep him yeah. along the way. And then Ole Miss made a really aggressive play to get him financially. So here's the thing. So Alabama never fires assistants. They, they haven't. Nick Saban hasn't done it. Right. The door was open for Bill O'Brien, and Saban pushed him to the door frame and hoped that someone would grab him and take him the next six inches. And he did. Bill O'Brien's gone. For Pete Golding, it was more of a situation of, okay, we're going to point you to the door that's open. Somebody might come through, and if somebody comes through, we're not going to hold you back all that much. Because they were okay with what he did. You go back and look at defensively, they're fine. They were good last year. Uh, they were bad in two specific situations, the Tennessee game and the LSU game, and obviously we know how those ended. But they were, they were fine. So they felt like they needed a change. I think that Saban felt that, look, it's Saban's defense, right? I think Pete Golding and Nick Saban never really squared what they wanted to do together. That doesn't make Pete Golding a bad defensive coordinator. doesn't make Nick Saban, Saban stubborn. It just makes that, that marriage a little dysfunctional, right? Yeah. So how do you fix it? You go bring in somebody you're extremely familiar with and that you used to love and love twice, and that's Kevin Steele. So I, I just think it's... It was one of those times where it just wasn't working out. The marriage was had run its course. They needed to get a divorce, and they got a divorce, and it's fine. Everybody's happy. So I think it was you that I was listening to, excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me Sunday driving in from mm -hmm. the Sirius XM show, and you had Ryan Fowler on, and you guys were talking about Pete Golding. And he said, you know, one of the criticisms was that, that Pete Golding's defense was too complicated for the Alabama players. And I, just, I just thought on that for a while as I was driving, and I, I came to the conclusion that that made absolutely no sense to me because all I have heard for a decade is how complex Alabama defenses are with exotic blitz packages and third down packages with this personnel and first down packages here and all the different things that they do. And so I don't see how it can be both. Well, it can't be both. I think, maybe, I think what Ryan was referring to, and I think that I kind of feel the same way too, is that it's... It's not that it's too complicated. It's that it's too complicated in a way that does not mesh with what Nick Saban wants to do. Okay. Right? If, if, I think if it's, it's more on Saban where he can say, okay, we want to have this philosophy, but it needs to be done in, in, this, in this specific way. And, okay, maybe it still is being operated in that way, but it's in a different terminology or in a different way that Nick Saban's not comfortable with. I think that's where it comes. I don't think that defense is... is overly complicated. I think it's overly complicated in a way that Nick Saban doesn't like. He wants to get back to what he did. And yeah, Kevin Steele, it might be just as confusing at times or a lot of information at times for players to, to comprehend, but it's in a way that Nick Saban feels like he can help them 
figure things out rather than just relying so much on on another person. I don't know if that makes sense. Does it make sense? I, I get it. Okay, but I'm. Not I don't very, think Richard does. I'm not very bright. So I'm not either. Yeah. I went to That's, Auburn. <laughs> who's the biggest? He's, the Ole Miss guy is the smart one out here. Well, I'll grant him that. Uh, <laughs> who's the biggest star in the SEC that we don't know about right? Ooh, ooh, it's a good question. Hey, star in the SEC. I know you weren't asking me. I just was making well, observation. I'll take it though. Like you went, came in hot with that one. Yeah. Does Trevor Etienne count? That's a good one. I'll take it. I'll accept it. Because he had like I think it was like nine point something. Touches Does that per mean game. you think Florida's going to be better than most people think Florida's going to be? No, I just think they're going to give him the ball more. Okay. Um, I think it was like nine point something touches per game. Got to be more. That's got to be more than that, yeah, right? Player, right? So I mean, if he gets fifteen. Let me throw one at you. Okay. How about Devin Leary? Is he healthy? Can he stay healthy? If he can, he's, he can play. Yeah, I just talked to the Kentucky medical people this morning. They said he's 100% go. And he's going to stay healthy the entire season. So that's – Oh, so yeah. Well, oh, well, the, I need to go to Kentucky in the over right yeah. now. Let's <laughs> go to the casino. Get out of here. Um, yeah, I could, I could get on board with that. I could, I could, I could go, uh, get on board with that. Can I uh, – yeah, I like it. I like it. Good work. By the way, the health issue—I completely made that. I, mean, I know you did, but, but otherwise. But if but if it if it happens, then yeah, I I, I from a fragility fragility. Wow, look at that! Fragility. You hear that big word? Uh, excited. That's uh, I have my questions with that, but uh, no, I'm on board with that. I could, I could get down with that. Give me a thought on Mississippi State. Thought on Ole Miss. We got two minutes. Uh, Mississippi State. Uh, interested to see how. I'm sorry, the, we have one minute. Oh, uh, okay. Dang. Not uh, a math guy. <laughs> all of us. Here we, we, all, we all are. Um, uh, Mississippi State want to see how it works out. Zach Arnett obviously is not is not meant to be in this position so early. Maybe he was going to get there in, uh, eventually, but uh, really tough situation. I want to see how the offense changes. They are going to build it towards their player strength. What does that actually mean? Uh, Ole Miss uh, just be adequate defensively. Easier easier said than done. Uh, I want to know if the quarterback position it, did they get those guys out of necessity or uh, was it a luxury? Uh, but I think Ole Miss, if, if it's right, if they make the right decision, at quarterback can win 9 or 10. I think for Mississippi State, um, the ceiling's more like 7 or 8. But like, like we talked about earlier, you all te every team in the SEC West could win 6 or 7 games. Barrett Salee, Notre hated. Uh, Notre hated. Notre hated. Hates Notre Hater Dame. I hate Notre Dame. Of Mississippi State. <laughs> uh, Barrett Salee, CBSSports.com. From SEC Media Days, our coverage presented by Gentile Apparel. We'll be right back. Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Good to be with you on this Friday afternoon. We've got a Food Friday presented by Polk's coming up a little bit later. That'll be at 20 minutes after 5, and we look forward to hearing from you about your cooking plans for the weekend. Um, just in case you are curious, hey, Adam, mostly talking to you, 
The second round of the Open Championship is uh, is now complete, and we have a five-shot lead in the clubhouse after Brian Harmon went out and shot a 65 today, six under on his round, ten under for the tournament. He's five shots clear of Tommy Fleetwood. Sepp Straka is in third place all by himself at four under par. You've got Jason Day, Minwoo Lee, um, Shubankar Sharma, all at three under par. Then uh, a group at two under par where you're going to recognize some of the names, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Emiliano Grillo, and uh, I'm not even going to try on that name. I watch a lot of golf, Borky, and I'm not even trying on that one. Uh, U.S. Open champ Wyndham Clark is at one under. Um, Roy McIlroy is at one under. That's tied for 11th. Bunch of guys at one under. Former uh, Open champion Stuart Sink is at one under. Max Homa is at one under. Kind of went the wrong way today. The cut line, by the way, was three over par. So Scotty Scheffler made it on the number. So did Brooks Kepka. So did Patrick Cantlay, Adam Scott, bunch of guys. The uh, the leaderboard needs some work tomorrow. This is this is not the leaderboard that we were hoping to see going into Saturday at the Open. Yeah, this isn't the wake up at five a.m. leaderboard that I was looking uh, looking for. No, because um, I'm no. I'm not doing that tomorrow. I'll uh, I'll wake up and put it on when I wake up and put it on. No alarm that, for me. That is uh, that is fair. Kyle Morikawa missed the cut. Um, so did a bunch of other people, which means they just didn't play well this weekend. And Justin Thomas might miss out on the Ryder Cup uh, with how he's played lately. Yeah, it's uh. not going well for, for JT these days. Not going well for him at all. So uh, that your is your Open Championship leaderboard uh, longest closing nine-hole stretch in the history of the Open. They're playing it uh, at Hoylake, Royal Liverpool Golf Club. Uh, so there you go. Um, Anything you want to add to that, hey, Dad? Is Substraka one name or two names? That's a, that's first name, last name. Sep. Seb. Seb. Sep. Straka. Yep. Yeah. Straka. Okay. So it's a real. I thought he was like Prince hitter. or something there. No, no, no. If you remember from a couple of weeks ago in Winners and Losers, we were going through, and I mentioned Tim Yelverton, who is one of two teaching pros at Old Waverly. He is Sep mm-hmm. Straka's short game coach. Oh, okay. So I would imagine that Tim is incredibly pleased with the way that Sep is playing right now. Got to be there you proud go. for him. Might be yeah. over there right now. Yeah, possible. I don't know if he made the. Uh, I don't know if he made the trip or not. Well, if Sep Straka wins this thing, we need to get Tim Yelverton on. Ain't he no won doubt. a couple of weeks ago. We can get Tim on anytime. Absolutely, can, uh, right. can we should do it uh, next week? When uh, although like SEC media days is like football's here. Nah, not really. <laughs> a little bit of downtime still. There, there's another. Uh, there's another I, few days before camp starts. I got a great. Up. Day, I got a great day for you to do it. Monday the thirty first. That'd be a fantastic day. Where are you going to be besides not here? Not here. Fair enough. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Although Luke Johnson did text me, and I think uh, Tim was on with them on uh, Eagle Hour one day nice. last week. So yeah, yeah, good uh, good stuff. There. Speaking of that, there will be Sunbelt Media Days next week and uh, NFL training camp. I don't know if you've. Th- this is the social media. It's already is, started. Social media is good for little reasons like this. 
we're starting to get it's just rookies right now for basically everybody, Ooh, right? I, not for the Jets. It's Jets uh, the Jets the same then, game. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are getting after it. So we're starting to get those pictures of guys reporting to camp and the first practice photos and soon the open practice. I think the Saints have an open practice next week and I am going to read every written word about observations from Saints training camp. You, I will read go. every word. You like can- you like carols, right? You should sing with me on this one, Borky. It's beginning to look a lot like football. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you can also go join the world. you go. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, and I can't wait to see Michael Thomas wearing, not pads, just a helmet, catching Borky, balls, Borky, and talking what, myself into thinking that... What, what day do the Saints have an open practice? Oh, they'll have a few. Um, yeah, they've got like eight or something like that. We we should send you to one. I would love that. Oh my gosh! I, although I would post everything on all of our social channels, and I don't know if our audience would appreciate that. Maybe they would. Well, there's only the one way to find out. Appreciate it. Can just shove off because because then you'll get Saints the inevitable. Fans? Where's Dak and the Cowboys? And it's like New Orleans is two hours hey, from here. Guys. If somebody wants somebody wants to send us to Dallas for an open practice, we'll go to that too. I mean, you could Please send theoretically opportunities go to, to practice and make Supertalk. it back in time for a show. I mean, I obviously well we could. would have to take care of some of your responsibilities during the day, but I think we could. We need to work on that. We need to. That's uh, what Will East to, is for. Yeah, yeah. We can. Uh, I think we need to push for that. Sports Talk Mississippi. One hour in the books with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back right after this. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. now. Hey, Michael Borky and now Tony Barnhart with you. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me. And, and I want to start with this. I don't mean to date you. Forgive me for this one. <laughs> That's You've been okay. covering college football since the, the 70s, correct? Well, I graduated from college in... Uh, June 10th, 1976, and went to work next day uh, as a high school football writer in Union, South Carolina, New Department. So, yes, yeah, since 1976. Since 1976, and so much has changed since then. Conferences have been different, and teams are going from one to the other, and, and so much has changed. And now we're in this era where there's more changes, portal, NIL, all this stuff that we have right. to talk about all the time. But when foot kicks ball here in a few weeks, it's still going to be the college football we love, right? Exactly. I, I tell people, I said, look, for all, you know, people say, oh, man, the game is NIL and transfer portal and it's off. I said, look, once the game starts, nobody cares where the NIL money comes from. They don't care about that. They don't care about the transfer portal. They want to see the game. And the, the irony about where we are right now. Now, is college football going through an adjustment period? Sure. you got to figure out how all this stuff's going to work. But the fact of the matter is, is that the game on the field, the game that we watch every Saturday, is better than it's ever been. I mean, college, there used to be a debate that, okay, the NFL's number one. We grant you that. And there used to be a debate who was number two, baseball or college football. We don't have that debate anymore because it's not close. It's not close. So the, the point is the game itself that we watch every week is as good as it's ever been. And we are going to we're going to have to work through 
NIL and transfer portal and all those things. Uh, and we'll do that. College football is so good, even us adults can't mess it up. Yeah, it, so. It's pretty wild. Uh, I, I'm fascinated by television ratings. It's just something that I'm, I'm curious about. And, and you look across the television landscape, everything is down. Everything's falling. People mm -hmm. are watching less and less TV. And these sports are having all-time lows in viewership. But you mentioned the NFL in college football. It is Everything's falling except for those two things. Right. A absolutely. And it's it, it, people... People love live sports, particularly football, and the, and the ratings prove. That's why ESP, our friends at ESPN and Fox are paying these incredible amounts of money for the rights fees because what they found, today's TV viewer doesn't watch a lot of live TV unless it's sports and unless it's football. Well, because uh, TikTok, I guess, is, it, is it, taking over. You know, I've yet, do you have TikTok? I've yet to download it myself. I'm holding out as I, long as I, I can. I, I have never been on TikTok <laughs> in my life. Don't do it. I did. Don't I, do it. You I seem did, happy, and that I did, might ruin I did, I did Twitter. One of my family members came to me many years ago and said, uh, uh, well, you, need to, you need to be on Twitter. I said, well, what is, what is that? And she explained to me what it was, and you, you had to do it in 140, 180 characters or yeah. whatever it was. I said, I can't write something in 180, 40 characters. I, I, can't like even, I can't even clear my throat with 140 characters. So, but my, my goal, my goal, I said, okay, I'll get on Twitter. and said, my goal is to have 100 followers. And I, and, that, and I set my goal. And I'm happy to say I exceeded that goal. <laughs> Visiting with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. So we've got a few weeks yet for the season. Uh, or before the season anyway, and, and I've made it a point myself to start reading again. Uh, I, I'm working on a book right now about a guy that uh, traveled to Vietnam during the Vietnam War to bring beer to guys from his town that were fighting in the war. It's a, an incredible story. It's, it's outstanding. <laughs> but I want to get into sports, mm -hmm. and you've got something coming out here soon. Tell us about it. This is my sixth book. It's called The 19 of Green because in the fall of 1970, uh, when I was a senior in high school at Green County High School in Greensboro, Georgia, it's exactly halfway between Atlanta and Augusta off of I-20. Uh, the courts finally told the schools of the state of Georgia, you will fully integrate in the fall of 1970. You've been fighting it since 1954. You will do it in the fall of 1970. So in the fall of 1970, in my little uh, uh, county, we had a white high school, Green County High School, and we had a black high school, Floyd T. Carey High School. Those two schools completely merged in the fall of 1970, which meant the football team merged. And we were thinking, man, this is going to be great. We're going to have like 50 or 60 guys by putting these two teams together. When spring practice was over, we had 19 players, wow. 12 white, seven black. And I never got a satisfactory answer as to why there were so few players. But that's how you get the, the 19 of Green, the 19 of Green County. Uh, it was an incredible experience. Uh, we won seven out of our last games and played for a region championship. But the story of the book is really not about the success we had as a team. The story is about the fact that 52 years after we played our last game together, a lot of these guys, we stayed in touch. The quarterback who came over from the black school, Charles Turner, is one of my very best friends. He has a charity. I play in his charity golf tournament. He plays in mine. 
Charles is a member of four different halls of fame, including the Greene County Ring of Honor, which he, the book ends with him being inducted into the Ring of Honor. So it's, it's, it's sociology. It's, a, it's, a, it's about a lot more than football, and uh, we're very pleased with the way the book turned the, out. The 19 of Green here. I'll, I'll show the, uh, the cover here. I've got it in my hand to our, our audience on the screen there. But uh, is it out yet? When does it come out? It'll be out on October 15th. It's published by the University of Georgia Press. Anybody that's interested, you can go. It's on. You can uh, you can pre-order it on Amazon and get a nice little discount. So just go to Amazon and type in the 19 of Green and uh, check it out. Awesome, awesome stuff. So let's talk a little college football. Then we've got uh, Mississippi State came through yesterday, one of our teams, and then mm -hmm. Ole Miss comes through tomorrow. Let, let's start with Ole Miss. Uh, I heard somebody down the row, Radio Row, call Ole Miss a sleeper in the SEC West. Do you see it that way, or are they in position to maybe be that team that was described down the road here? Well, first of all, they've got to – obviously, they fell off the cliff after a 7-0 start. Now, is that a – will there be a residual effect from that? I don't know. You know, coaches would say, well, no, one season, da-da-da. So we will see. Uh, you know, can 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 Jackson Dart give you what you need at quarterback? You, you okay with him? If you are, that's fine. Uh, I don't, from an overall talent standpoint, I see the West as Alabama and LSU, and then there's this huge middle class in the in the uh, SEC West, and uh, Ole Miss is definitely there. And the question is, how do they do in those other games? I just think I think Alabama and LSU. Or, or a notch above the rest of the teams in the West. And what an interesting year it is for the West. I mean, the the poll from here is going to come out soon. I think LSU is going to be the favorite, and it, it feels odd because it, Alabama hasn't won the West every year that Saban's been here, but it's always felt like an inevitability. Right. Where just Alabama won, Alabama won, right. Alabama won every year, and it really doesn't feel like that this year. No, it doesn't, and I've told people, now, if you're using facts and you're using logic – you should pick LSU to win the West because if, if, if for nothing else, they have a proven quarterback. And not many teams in this league can say that. They, they're looking for a proven quarterback, and uh, LSU has that. But having said all of that, I've never been one to rely too much on facts or logic or intelligence. Uh, I'm picking Alabama. We're in the media. We don't do that. That's right. I'm picking Alabama to win the West because I think Nick Saban has his two reasons. One, Nick Saban has his team in full-blown revenge mode, okay? You, you remember that you remember that rant that he had not too long ago? Oh, we should have been in the playoffs. You know, we, we would have been favored against three of those teams. Yeah. We should have been in He didn't think for one minute his team should be in the playoffs. He's doing. He was doing what he always does, which is he talks over the head of the media, which is not hard to do, but he talks over the head of the media to tip to his players. He's always talking to his players. He's not talking to us. He's talking to the players. And what he's telling his players, hey, you know, you guys got hosed by the selection committee. You, What are you going to do about it? And so he has – I think they're going to come back and play uh, play pretty well. And when you're that good, you have to find a special motivating factor, right? I mean, remember Georgia players after the national championship. Oh, you you guys said we would be 7-5. and five. No, we did not say no. that you guys were going to no. be. Seven Somebody five. told you that we said yes. you should be seven and five, but that's uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, can can Georgia do it? Win three in a row? I think that is logically you should not be. Able, I don't care how good you are, you shouldn't be able to do that because it's just it's hard. There's a reason nobody's done it in the modern era. Got about a minute left here. Uh, Zach Arnett made his rounds yesterday. Yep. 
what was your impression of him? I know we haven't seen him coach a game yet as as his program. He did the bowl game, but a little bit different. Uh, but what were your impressions of uh, the first-year head coach? I, I like his straightforward approach. He's a defensive coordinator. All defensive coordinators are that way. They're they're very very straightforward. What intrigues me about Mississippi State is you you got a four thousand yard passer, yeah. and you're not going to throw the ball as much. Okay, but 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 it makes sense because one of the downsides. I mean, I love Mike Leach. I'm so sorry we lost him. Uh, his offense is so much fun to watch. But the reality of that offense, it's not the defensive coordinators best friend oh no okay too many threes and out too much tempo and it, it's clear that coach arnett's going to say well look we're going to we're not going to throw it 70 times a game we're not going to do that because we're going to take advantage so we've been good on defense for a while now mm -hmm. so let's let's take advantage of that so but it's going to be interesting to, to take a four thousand yard passer and scale him down to it's maybe three thousand exactly well thank <laughs> you so much that's tony barnhart sports talk mississippi we'll be right back News. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. now. Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort. Home of Geyser Falls Water Park. Gonna be warm this weekend. How about a little water park action? Cool you off. Great uh, day getaway. Great way to spend a Saturday or a uh, Sunday. You can learn more about them online at geyserfalls.com. It's geyserfalls.com. Or go to pearlriverresort.com and see everything that Pearl River Resort has to offer. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Great interview that uh, Michael Borky did with uh, Tony Barnhart. Uh, always a good conversation to hear from a guy who's been covering college football for as long as he had. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. So... Let's uh, let's take a look at the All SEC team as voted on by the media for the uh, for the preseason. Before we do that, hey Dad, tell me um, from your ballot what Ole Miss guys and what Mississippi State guys you had that you voted for at different positions. Sure, uh, for Mississippi State on the first team, I had Buki Watson, uh, Jaden Crumedy on the defensive line. And uh, Tulu Griffin as my return specialist. And then on the second team, I had, I mean, I'm trying to find my ballot here. I had Jet Johnson. I had Xavion uh, Thomas as my other return specialist. And I, I forgot to mention, because I know nothing about long snappers, I just went full homer and made Hayes Hammond my first team long snapper because I know nothing. I mean, I, I had nothing to gauge him with. As far as anybody so knows, he is the, the best long snapper in the SEC. He's mine, by God. So there you go. Has he had a bad snap since he's been snapping? Not that I recall. Okay, I mean, I'm sure there's one. But no problem. First team all it. SEC. First I'm team. right there with you. 
Uh, right. What about Ole Miss guys? Uh, for the Rebels, obviously I had Quinshawn Judkins, uh, first team. Uh, as my uh, as a running back, and he was my first running back off the board, so I had him as the number one guy over Rocket Sanders. Uh, I had Jeremy James as a second team offensive lineman. I had Cedric Johnson as a second team defensive lineman, and that is all. Man, okay. it, it, he can be that too. It, it's a shame that he's dealt with injuries. Cedric, because, yeah, yeah, he can be that. Yeah, very talented. Had... He stays healthy. He'll be a good player. At the uh, the running back position, I had Quinshawn Judkins. So they ask you to select four running backs. Quinshawn Judkins was the first one that I had. I had Judkins and then Rocket Sanders and then Jace McClellan from Alabama and Kendall Milton from uh, from Georgia. I picked two Ole Miss offensive linemen. You you had eight um, total offensive linemen you put on there at the uh, the guard and tackle position. Had Jeremy James and Micah Pettis in that group. I mean, kind of just because. Uh, on the defensive line, I had Cedric Johnson. He was the fifth defensive lineman that I selected, so I guess that would be having him as a second-team All-SEC defensive lineman. Yes. Um, yes. Let's see here. And who else from Ole Miss did I have on there? DeAndre Prince. I had him as a uh, second-team All-SEC defensive back. I think that's it for the Ole Miss guys. For Mississippi State... Did not have any on the offensive side, but I had several on the defensive side. I had Jet Johnson. He was the third linebacker that I listed behind Harold Perkins and Dallas Turner. I just I love Jet Johnson's game. He's so you have him first machine. time, first team. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I do. If there were six okay. linebackers, unless they first, second, third team, I don't know. Whatever. He's the third linebacker that I picked. And then right. I had uh, Nathaniel Buki Watson in my linebacker group also. He was the last linebacker. The other ones I had were Harold Perkins, Dallas Turner, uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson from Georgia, and Tyron Hopper from Missouri. So two Mississippi State linebackers in that group. Um, we, had, we had five of the same six linebackers. The, okay. That duo... I don't know. Best is probably not the, que- the 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 question, but the most accomplished returning duo of linebackers since when? Oh god, man, no idea. Like maybe ever? No idea. But but I mean, in terms of total career tackles, they're yeah. going to be up there. Yeah, they're both over two hundred tackles the last two years. So, um, I had Tulu Griffin as my first team return specialist. How, how does and- he not get that? By the way. I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad you brought it up, Michael Borky. Because that is the biggest of the travesties of all of this for Mississippi State. Cooley McKinstry, good player, already first team as a defensive back on basically everybody's ballot. But he's the return guy. Tula Griffin had a touchdown last year against Auburn, a kickoff return for touchdown. For one, that's one touchdown. So that means he's got more touchdowns in that one game than Kool-Aid McKinstry has returning anything in his entire career. He's never scored a touchdown. Tula Griffin has uh, three, three career touchdowns. This is, is insanity. In what world is Tula Griffin not the best return man in the conference? There's some good ones. Shout out to Richard he, for to getting me, it right. Yeah, to, to me, he stands out as the best. I also had Tulu Griffin as my second-team all-purpose player in the SEC. I, had a I nice forgot to mention that. I had Texas A&M as one, and I had Tulu Griffin, too. Flip-flop um, those for me. And then I had uh, Hayes Hammond as my uh, top long snapper. <laughs> and then I went, with, 
Why not? Because I went with Wesley Schelling from Vanderbilt as the other. Never met Wesley before. I'm sure he's a Why fine not? young man and just thought Vanderbilt deserved a little bit of love. I went with Neeland Hibbett because his name is spelled K-N-E-E-L-A-N-D, and I was like, that's just a fun name. All right. Here's what the um, here's what the media went with. Uh, we've got first and well, second wh- team. Wait, 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 wait. What? We're just gonna. I, I don't gonna remember our friend there. I, I submitted. It I don't remember. Picks. Oh, that's right. You didn't, you didn't copy your bo- your ballot. That's uh, yeah, right. I'm All an right. idiot. I, it's fine. I, I, I gave a lot of love. Okay. Uh, I gave a lot of local love though. Well, I didn't want to throw Borky under the bus by saying that he forgot to save his ballot, I'd but then I myself. guess I felt like a jerk by just skipping over him. So yeah, you know, I'd throw myself. It's fine. L- lose lose situation there. Here was uh, here was the overall media first team offense: Jaden Daniels at quarterback from LSU, Quinshawn Judkins and Rocket Sanders, the running backs from Ole Miss and Arkansas. The wide receivers were Malik Neighbors from LSU and Lad McConkey from Georgia. Tight end Brock Bowers from Georgia. Offensive line J.C. Latham from Alabama. Amarius Mims from Georgia. Tate Ratledge from Georgia. Will Campbell from LSU. And Cedric Van Pran was the center on the first team offense. Second team offense K.J. Jefferson. Uh, the running backs were Jace McClellan and Kendall Milton, Alabama and Georgia. Uh, by the way, there, there's a, there is a very valid argument to make for Will Rogers as the second-team All-SEC quarterback. Yeah. I, I would yeah. listen to an argument for him being your first selection at quarterback. Absolutely. You could. You could easily make that selection. Uh, the wide receivers, second-team wide receivers, Antoine Wells from South Carolina, and then a tie with Brew McCoy and Ja'Cory Brooks from Tennessee and Alabama, respectively. Second-team tight end, Mason Taylor from LSU. Second-team offensive lineman. Tyler Booker, Alabama, Brady Latham, Arkansas, Javon Foster, Missouri, Xavier Truss, Georgia, and Seth McLaughlin, the center from Alabama, is the second team. Uh, Will Rogers named third team All-SEC quarterback along with Joe Milton the third. The two of them tied for third team All-SEC quarterback. I, I get it. I get I it. S- it's a media vote. It, it was in Nashville. I get it. What has Joe Milton done to tell you that he belongs there? Well, well hold on a second. Hold on a second. In you're fairness, projecting is what you're doing. Well, hey, Dad and I talked about this. When we were going through and picking these, I'm like, hold on a second. Are you projecting or are you basing this on what you've already seen? He's like, ah, however I want to do it. So when there's, when there's no clear, this is how you're supposed to fill it out, people projecting Joe Milton as an all-SEC type quarterback, I don't have a huge issue with that. Yeah, I, I, and if you're projecting, you can put Dart as second team as well. I think you could. You could. You could make I don't, an think, I, don't I don't think you would vote him in based on this is where he is now, but where he could be, you could put yeah. Dart. I, for some reason, with these, I, I like to use what we know. Uh, that should carry weight, and what we know about Milton's not good. What we know is not good. It, he's so far has produced like Anthony Richardson has. I'll tell you, I heard somebody say that he'd be the next Anthony Richardson as a positive, and I thought, okay, well, they're losing That's to Vanderbilt. That's not a positive. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll lose a bunch of games this year if that is the case. Uh, I'll skip the rest of the third team. Nobody from Ole Miss or Mississippi State made it. First team defense, Makai Wingo. So, Mike, huh? I thought Tulu Griffin was the third team return guy. I'm not the special teams yet. I'm looking at offense and defense. We'll okay. get the special teams I got you, I got you. Just, just okay. we're getting there. Uh, first right. team defense: Makai Wingo from LSU, Michael Williams from Georgia, Mason Smith from LSU, Nazi Stackhouse from Georgia. Those are the defensive linemen. Your linebackers are Dallas Turner, Harold Perkins, and Jamon Dumas Johnson from Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Defensive backs: more Alabama and Georgia. Kool Aid McKinstry, 
from Bama, then Malachi Starks, Kamari Lassiter, and Javon Bullard from Georgia. Second team defense, Jaheim Otis, McKinley Jackson, Justin Ibogbe, and I probably messed that up, and Deion Walker from Alabama, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Kentucky. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Uh, the linebackers I mean, are Smale Moon. What is State or Ole Miss with those two kids, man? Jeez. Yeah, it would help, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Bookie Watson, a second-team linebacker. Third-team defense, nobody from Ole Miss or State. You get to the special teams, Tula Griffin, second-team all-purpose, Tula Griffin, third-team return specialist. All right. Outrageous. Coming up next, Borky and Jacob Hester. Hey, Dad and Jacob Hester. We'll be right back. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. We are back here live. SEC Media Days. We're on Radio Row. This is Jacob Hester. Former LSU. Were you an All American? Can we, or can we just say that you were? If you were like a fullback All American, does it count? Yes. Even though like one hundred percent. Listen, counts. listen. Even if you didn't really play fullback, like I was a full time running back, but they're like he's so slow that if we give him All American status, it's going to be at the fullback position. Yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Former LSU All American Jacob Hester, <laughs> now the host of Off the Bench on the mornings in uh, Baton Rouge, one ESPN one hundred four point five. They are neighbors here. Yep. On Radio Row, where T. Bob Abear made a very hurtful comment about elderly people. Yeah, it wasn't needed. That 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 was me. He he was talking about me. Is is when 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 that happened. I I, I first personally was was attacked. So T. Bob, like when he makes an age joke, like so I'm the older guy on the show. I'm 38 right. years old. I'm the old guy. And like when it's convenient. Like, he makes me the old guy. Right. And when it's convenient, like, to be like, no, you didn't really remember that because you're so young. Oh, dude, we're only, like, three years apart. So, yeah. like, when it's convenient, I'm older or, like, we're the same age. I'm just saying that words hurt. They do. So, they do. I mean, look, people lie. Words don't. That's it's, You know? That's wisdom yeah. from this man right here. All right. Mississippi State was here yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you, you had a chance to talk with Zach Arnett. You had a chance to talk yep. with those guys. Um. And was that your first impression of Hornet? First time? To no, meet I got, so I got Zach down in Destin. Okay. Uh, for the spring meetings, mm-hmm. and you know that's more of a relaxed setting. It, it is. It is truly. It's really my favorite event that we cover over on SiriusXM because the coaches aren't getting ready for a game. Right. Everybody's at the beach. Yeah. Everybody's kind of chilled, relaxed, and so that was my first opportunity. But still, like you have to imagine that Zach was still swimming in it because of everything that you have to do. Look, when you're not expected to be named the head coach, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, you're the head coach, and did a great job in that bowl game against a really good Illinois team. You've got so many things that you have to do now, certainly now, as far as being a head coach. And you can tell, like, he's trying to get everything still kind of together. This was a different feeling my second time meeting him than my first time. Did you feel he was was more confident? Yeah, without question. I I felt like he was more confident in in just having – a conversation about his team. I felt like he knew his team, you know, a little bit better. Not that he didn't before, but just think about all the things that were going on whenever you take over that team. Obviously, I mean, you have the tragedy of Coach Leach's passing and, and somebody who was a mentor to him because 
a very unique resume for Coach Arnett. He's only been two places. Yeah. Like, think about all the coaches that come Well, he had that five-minute stop at Syracuse before he yeah, plucked you know, him away. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't even count, right? Uh, so, like, when you have these coaches, they've been, like, seven places. And yeah. they were a GA to the GA to the GA in three different places. He's only been at San Diego State and Mississippi State. So, kind of his his path to how he's now the head coach has been a very unique one. But uh, he is someone that you can tell from the moment you sit down, he is a football guy. And we mean that in the best part. Yeah, oh, Sometimes football guy. I is. am a self-described meathead. Well, My show is like basically meathead radio over on Sirius XM. In fact, Phil Steele allowed us to have an all meathead radio team in the magazine this year. So that is a term of endearment coming from me. I, I want to make sure that I make the list. You didn't make the all meathead team. If you, hey, if you had to guess who the quarterback of the all meathead team was, who would you think? I'll give you his conference, Pac-12. Leinert? No, no, just current players. Oh, all meathead. Not Caleb spot, I mean, it's not Caleb Williams. He's, he's, no, no, he's no, no, not no, a meathead. No, no, no. uh, it's not Shadur Sanders. Was Bo Nix? Cam Rising. Ah, uh, yes. I mean, come uh, 100%. 100%. Cam, Cam Rising hadn't made it through a bowl game yet because he's like, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to get this first down. He, he would. He could have been a fullback. Oh, no, back no, no doubt day. about it. Back in the day. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Will Rogers. Had a yeah. chance to talk to him yesterday. I've talked to Will many times in the past. This is the most confident Oh, yeah. The most comfortable in his skin, I feel like I've seen Will Rogers. We know the numbers aren't going to be the same. He's not going to throw for 4,000 yards right. this year. He's not going to throw for 35 touchdowns this year. But he only needs 2,700, I think, to eclipse Aaron Murray and become the SEC's all-time leading passer. It feels like he can still have a great season without having statistically the same kind of season. So there's going to be a lot of new. Yeah, There's going to be a lot of change. And I asked Will yesterday, and, and Cole Kublik and I had him in the afternoon, I think Cole's the one to ask him, when's the last time you've taken a snap under center? Mm -hmm. I asked said, him that as well. And he said, one time. And I said, like singular, like one time? He goes, yeah, we were backed up in high school, mm -hmm. coming out of the goal yeah. line, and we, and we used it one time. He goes, you got to go back probably to Pee Wee football. So, like, that's new, but that's not, you know, entirely unique to Will Rogers. There's a lot of quarterbacks that if they come through, probably the same situation. Right. But then we said, when's the last time you turned your back to the defense? Because in this offense, he's going to be under center. Mm -hmm. He's going to turn his back. He's going to stick the football out. It's going to be a heavy play-action pass. He's going to be looking at his running back, and then he's got to look back up and find out what's going on with the coverage and the defense. Right. He basically said never. Yeah. Like his hard play-action was basically the running back coming across the formation. The you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that is completely different. I mean, that is something – and I tried to explain it. Like if you're playing center field – and I have a pop-up that's hit straight to me. Well, what do I do? Well, I move forward, I get underneath it, and I catch it. That's the air raid because mm -hmm. everything's in front of you. What he's about to go to is they hit it over my head. I've got to look, find the wall, look at the ball, find the wall again, look at the ball, and i got to go catch it. Yeah, It's a completely different situation. There's more to what he's got to do. How quickly? Now, I believe in Will Rogers. He's not just a system quarterback. I have fought the good fight for him for a long time. Yeah, But that is completely different. You've got a good candidate to do it fast. But how fast can he get those things done? Because the coverage is going to change when your eyes go back onto the field. There's a lot of movement. Now, when you look at the schedule, you've got some heavy hitters, three, four, and five. Yeah. Will you have and Arizona's no slouch. Right. Will you have it figured out by then? I like who they have trying to figure it out, but can they get it done is going to be the big question. The schedule is so interesting for state versus South Carolina. Yeah. Because state state is LSU at home at South Carolina. Alabama at home. Yep. I don't know if you know this, South Carolina is 
Georgia on the road, Mississippi State at home, Tennessee on the road. Yeah. That is, the SEC messed with them. It's basically yes. what just happened there. Yeah, they did. I mean, Shane's like, I'm a good guy. <laughs> like, what's going and on? And Arnett's like, I'm in my first year. I can't get a, I can't get a pass. Uh, nobody can really complain because yeah. I know that every time Sam Pittman opens up their schedule, he's like, what in the hell did I do? <laughs> I'm just trying to enjoy a cold, you know, adult beverage here, yeah. sitting by my pool, and this is what y'all give me? Speaking, speaking of schedules, let's talk about next year because Mississippi State and LSU won't play each other for yeah, the first time since. Yeah, this guy hates this, you know, because he rushed, he rushed for approximately 1,800 yards in four games against Mississippi State and scored 28 touchdowns, probably. No, what but was I, the average margin of victory for you against? See, Mississippi why are you State? doing? I see, like Mississippi is a neighboring state. I know. I, I love. My, I had fun my with McElroy, uh, brethren. McElroy asked me yesterday. He's like, "What do what Mississippi State fans think about not playing Alabama?" I was like, "Greg, they threw a party." Yeah, like nobody wants. To um, uh, but how weird probably, is that? Probably forty though. points in case, like oh, if you're God. asking, like yeah, a, an average of victory there, it's right there, right there. Uh, what, what, how, how weird is that for you? Who, who else is LSU not playing next year that's weird for you? <laughs> Auburn. They don't play Auburn? That, yeah, that's, that's, that's a weird. great rivalry. That is a weird game, and I mean that because there's always oh, in the best way, happens. though. Yeah, it, it is a chaotic game. Arkansas-Ole Miss has kind of replaced yeah. LSU-Auburn as the crazy game, but yeah. LSU-Auburn still gets crazy. I mean, you've had missed extra points, yeah. and then you've had you know someone called for – jumping onto the pile so they get to kick the extra point again. They win the game what? because of it. You've had five missed field goals the next year. You've had a barn that's literally been burning that's the, uh, in the background. The less throws him in the end zone with no timeouts. And Yeah. Oh, the, the uh, Demetrius Bird. Yeah. Yeah, we're just, hey, willy-nilly, just going up to the line. It's like, uh, did they see that clock running <laughs> right there? And thank God Will Muschamp played the coverage that he did because Flynn found Demetrius Bird. You're on that team, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was on that game. Uh, so... so it's always been weird. I mean, Auburn didn't win in Baton Rouge for like two decades, and that just doesn't feel right. Like, that series used to be one that I loved, and yeah, that one's going away too. But, but you get to play the Florida Gators. Yes. And I'm Mississippi a Gator State's hater, the Gators too. so I can always appreciate because that's truly my time. That's the rival. Yeah. The Florida Gators. Oh, yeah. In 06, they win it. 07, we win it. 08, they I was win. just kidding about so. the 18 touchdowns against State. You might have had 18 <laughs> touchdowns against, against Florida. Yeah. Mississippi State, uh, we got the email today. They're going to give us the ballots. They're going to be predicted dead last. If I, I'm not putting them dead last. You're not, oh, no. Jacob Hester, ladies and gentlemen, I've always said you were the stronger half of that, that team. I appreciate that. Uh, but Have that you being ever really said, said that? Huh? Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Why not? Uh, that being said, though, the, what they return, and we only got about a minute left, but what they return, if this was LSU or Alabama bringing back a quarterback of Will Rogers, eight starters, you, you, they would be preseason top 10, probably. There's, without question. Is it just because of the, yes. the new coach? It's just because the new coach and the new system. That's And plus, Mississippi State unfairly gets put into that category. I think a lot of people think it's 1985. Yeah, they're 9-4 last year. Yeah, they're finishing top 20. Like, and they were a good football team. Yeah. I mean, the LSU game goes different. If they hold on to that lead, who knows where they could have gotten to. You know if Austin saying? Williams doesn't fumble that punt, different I, th game. I think, I think State different might game. have gone so, it, It's a good team that has 12 returning stars. The four they have on defense are as veteran as you've possibly can be yeah like they've been there since i played at lsu <laughs> like those d linemen like there's no question they yeah. did i mean they have been there so long and played so much football so like no mississippi state's not the seventh team in the west I, i'm probably gonna have them somewhere in the four or five range and that's just because of the other teams are so good at the top i think of the west yeah they proved it when a&m couldn't last year there you go jacob hester espn 104.5 sirius xm too don't don't forget yes. that we'll be back in just a minute Live from SEC Media Days.
Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, back in the Magnolia State. We've got one more interview from the weekend that we'll give to, or from the week that we will give to you in the five o'clock hour with Ross Dellinger now from Yahoo Sports on the Farm Bureau guest line. Good conversation with Brian Haydad and Jacob Hester there from SEC Media Days earlier this week. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, and you. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. Not a ton of events going on right this minute or for the next couple of weeks. But as we roll back to August, the events will begin again. You've got baseball tournaments, softball tournaments, some soccer tournaments that are all going to be coming up. If you're already thinking about scheduling for the fall, be sure you check out their website and the events page to see what is coming up for the sport that you're looking for, they'll have plenty of it at M Trade Park. 14 fields, all with synthetic turf infields, natural grass outfields, new amenities that uh, came on board this year, and the uh, the playing surfaces on the soccer fields. Drove by there the other day, just absolutely begging for people to be playing soccer on them right now. So, mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M Trade. Good conversation with Jacob Hester. And well, some interesting thoughts for him on Mississippi State. You, you ask him the question, you know, the, the helmet question, right? If, if you put a different helmet on the players on Mississippi State's roster, would people look at them differently? And he said the answer was yes. And he thinks that ultimately the reason that people are going to rank Mississippi State lower than maybe they should be ranked or you think they should be ranked is because of the, the new coaching change and new systems. But he also said, you know, there's some historical people just think, oh, it's Mississippi State, they're going to be at the bottom of the league. Which recent results just don't point to that. Not not when you've been to right. over a decade straight's worth of bowl games. And Mississippi State yes. has not had a clunker. They, they've not had a four-win season. It's been a long time. Outside of, outside of Leach's first year in the COVID year. You know, that, that's the only really bad season in there. And even that, if that's a regular season, that's probably a six and six team. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get some things figured out in some non-conference games and maybe play a little bit better. Right. That team played better down the stretch as the season went along. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. Three and seven when it was all said and done. They, uh, with the, with the bowl game, they went four and seven. Okay. So there you go. So. Dwight says State was five and seven in 2016. Yeah, but they still got to a bowl game that year. If they get the the APR, yeah, bowl game but yeah. Well, whatever. I guess I'm. I don't guess do the that. point I'm making, even don't, the five don't you and do seven that, year, Michael Borky. Well, I mean, come on. They played Miami of Ohio in Tropicana Field. I mean, the day after Christmas, I mean, it happened. But the the point is, even in 2016, they didn't fall off the map. They were a game short of qualifying for a bowl game, and they still right. got to the postseason. So, anyway. Right. And I don't have them falling off. I mean, I picked them sixth in the West. I did. And I'll admit it. I told you why earlier. But it's not like I've got them falling off the map. Still got them six and six. Still in a bowl game. And a couple of games that have got question marks by them. 
if that, I mean, I pointed to the South Carolina game. I picked South Carolina to win that one on the road. It's going to be a huge game for both teams. But Mississippi State could win that on the road. Okay, well, now you're 7-5. and five. What if the Egg Bowl goes the other way? What if Mississippi State wins at Arkansas like they had done four consecutive times prior to their last trip to Fayetteville? So, you know, obviously I could be wrong. Lots of people could be wrong. But it's not like I was just like, you know what? Historically, Mississippi State, ah, oh, just put them at the bottom of the league. That wasn't the reason I put them there. So, um, it's the unknown. I mean, I, I heard that all week. People just don't know. And I know there, there's history and precedent that tells you uh, that this is a a common occurrence. But and again, you know, we've gotten some text about it. People mad at Barrett Salee for for why do you care? When you go win, they all look stupid. Good. Pick, pick them to finish bottom. That's fine. Just remember it and go back to it later. It, but for one year, there is at least some basis in logic, and it's the unknown. You just don't know. Everywhere else in the SEC, at least in the West, there are absolutely questions. I mean, Arkansas replaced coordinators. But everybody the in the conference except for LSU has a new coordinator. Right. Everybody in the SEC West has at least one new coordinator. But only one new coach. And that coach is a rookie. Right. And, and so the unknown is, has given people pause. Maybe those same, same people would have found a reason otherwise. Sure, some of them would have. But that was a prevailing theme of, you know, I like the roster, but I just don't know. And that's fair. It'll end up being wrong. At least in terms of finishing last, that'll be Auburn. But it's fair-ish. We get a question that says, where did Richard pick Mississippi State last year? Um, Honestly, I don't think I turned in a ballot last year. I feel like when we did our predictions, I predicted Mississippi State to go 7-5 and last year. They went 8-4 and and then won a bowl game. Uh, just looking at their schedule from last year, I think I picked them to beat Memphis and Arizona and Bowling Green and A&M and Kentucky, which was wrong, and East Tennessee State. But anyway, whatever. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour on this Friday afternoon. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for spending the entire week with us. This was a uh, it was a fun week for us in in Nashville. I, I would say maybe our most productive uh, media days week that we've had since we've been doing the show, and uh, we hope it was uh, enjoyable for you, or at least as enjoyable for you as it was for us. And we uh, thank again Gentile for being the presenting sponsor of our coverage of SEC Media Days this week in Nashville. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of Dancing Rabbit. Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. I know a lot of you across the Magnolia State will be making your way to the Neshoba County Fair either this weekend or at some point next week or next weekend. 
While you're in town for the fair, make sure you make a trip over to Dancing Rabbit. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. That's DancingRabbitGolf.com. C Spire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, or the best in business IT services, C Spire has you covered. You can learn more online at cspire.com. Time right now for the college football fix. Yes, Forky out of practice. Forgive me, I had the uh, 100 teams in 100 days queued up. and um, No, not that. No, that's not what we're doing right now. There it is. There it is, the college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today. Mid-South and Mississippi Ford dealers. What's that sly grin you had there, hey, Def? Oh, I was just thinking that yet again we have skipped 100 teams in 100 days. Well, buddy, just tell me what you think we should have done, that we, what we should have eliminated had, from the show had a, so far today. Well, Borky, on the rundown, which I read, had 437. 100 teams I am 100 fully days. aware. And then we sw- we switched the, the interviews. So we, we could have bumped it up to 420. Sometimes Hashtag you have to adjust on the fly. It didn't feel like doing back-to-back interviews from earlier in the week no, to start I, the 4 o'clock hour. I got, I, got, I got you. I got you. Are we going to do a team right now for the college football fix? I was just playing the fight song because I had that queued okay. up, too. Wait a Cougs! Not a bad fight song. No. Houston Cougars? It's got a little pep. Zip to it. Making the transition to the Big 12 this year. Dana Holgerson, and they got a lot to replace at the University of Houston. Clayton Toon was a record setting quarterback at Houston. He threw for a gazillion yards. And what was the wide receiver's name? Tank. Tank, uh, he ended up getting drafted. I loved the pick. I, I can't remember exactly where he went in the draft, but I remember looking at that one and thinking how much I liked it. So, first year in the Big 12. For Houston, I guess this is the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, and we're picking up with the Houston Cougars. So, got to have a new quarterback and got to uh, find a replacement for, why can I not remember Tank's last name? Tank Dell. How good were his numbers? Almost 1,400 yards and 17 touchdowns. And he so, didn't have to go far for his NFL uh, for his NFL team. That's either. right. That's right. He went to the Texans, didn't he? Yeah. Here, here's the thing. That Houston team last year went eight and five, and that was in the American. But they had some weapons. They lost in double overtime to Texas Tech. They lost to Kansas. That was when Kansas was playing really well early in the year. They had an overtime loss to Tulane. They lost 77-63 to SMU and then had some injuries at the end of the year and lost to Tulsa. So is Houston ready to make this transition to the Big 12? Short-term and long-term. So two-part question. Short-term, are they ready to make the transition? Long-term, is it going to be a good transition? Long term, I'd say definitely yes, 
because they're in Texas, they're in Houston, a lot of recruiting talent right there in their footprint. Uh, they'll be fine. Short term, eh? I don't. I mean, I, I wouldn't predict them in the Big Twelve championship game in the next two years or so. But I do think as they build up and become a, a, a better program, they can they can easily recruit the kind of talent to win in that conference. I do wonder if some saturation is going to occur. Because the, the state of Texas produces players at a volume basically unlike every, any other state. But the SEC schools will have the first pick of that. And then, oh, by the way, like Ohio State comes into Texas and has success. And Alabama. and uh, So the top players in that state are, are sought after by everybody. And now you keep creating more of the second tier in the state. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you would imagine TCU and Baylor and Texas Tech would have precedent over Houston, but now they're on equal footing. But will that yeah. will that start spreading talent around to the point where it starts saturating the teams a little bit? Houston also has another benefit in that they have a super wealthy booster willing to put money into their program. Yeah, you know they could sort of play the same card that Oklahoma State did that, that boosted up their program. And is that t- I, I, Tillman Fertitta? Is that how Fertitta? Yeah, is that how you pronounce it? Is he willing to yeah. invest in football, NIL in particular yeah. for football, in the way that he has invested in the basketball program there? I think I think he would. I mean, he fe- it feels like he's a sports crazy guy. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some of that money going their way. Yeah, I, I guess my answer to the short term, long term question was if it was the roster from a year ago, short term, I would say. I think Houston is a team that can be a little scary in the Big 12 this year. I don't know that they can win it. I I mean, they played two Big 12 teams last year and lost, like I said a second ago, in two overtimes to Texas Tech, and then they got popped pretty good against Kansas when uh, Jalen Daniels was really getting after it early in the season. I I agree with you long term. I mean, there's so much talent there. There is a difference, though, in the way Houston fans support their football program historically, versus the way even Baylor. I mean, Baylor's got pretty good fan support. Texas Tech's got pretty good fan support. And those are more like college towns, or at least college-sized towns. Houston is a freaking metropolis. Can they capture the, the hearts and the imaginations of the city of Houston to the point where they not a big stadium. It's fine. It's nice enough. Yeah, they Put thirty-five to forty thousand in the stadium on the regular. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, Dana Holgerson, good football coach. He's in his fifth season at um, at Houston. And remember, left a Power Five job in West Virginia to go to a non-Power Five job, and now he's back in the Power Five, headed back to the uh, to the Big Twelve. He is an interesting guy too. Yeah, Holger. Yeah. Holgo is the the best, most likely candidate to assume the throne of Mike Leach. Of the crazy, you, you can believe almost any story about him. They, they're different guys. They're totally different guys. They but he, he's, I mean, and he's from the tree, too, so it makes sense. Yeah. I asked him, I, I did a Houston game last year, their game against uh, Temple in, I don't know, third third game for the end of the year. I probably told this story on the radio, but I asked him about, you know, relationship with Mike Leach, you know, how they've kind of changed from what was a traditional air raid offense to, you know, a lot of running the football, but now they're back to throwing it a lot. He said, man, 
He's like, they kicked me out of the air raid a long time ago. He's like, we ran it way too much. <laughs> so <laughs> he said he had been kicked out of the air raid tree. And I said, yeah, but conceptually, a lot of what you do, he's like, oh, no doubt. So a lot of their passing game is conceptually straight out of the air raid. Right. No, no question. So, But that's true about a lot of coaches now. They're in Lincoln Riley and... Uh... I mean, I can't. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Mike Leach was the only one left running the air raid the way the way the, he drew up the air raid. Yeah. So we will uh, we will see where they go at quarterback. Uh, Donovan Smith is projected to be the starter. He's a transfer from Texas Tech, and uh, Lucas Coley is projected to be the backup. Clayton Tune. Not only did he throw for four thousand yards and forty touchdowns last year, he also ran it for five hundred forty four yards. So big shoes to fill at the quarterback position for the University of Houston. Houston is team number 43 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We'll try to get to team number 42 this afternoon also at some point. Hey, Dad, I don't know exactly when we're going to do that. Maybe we can squeeze it in. We'll shoot it in at the end of the show today. Uh, But that is your college football fix and team number 43 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. When we come back, maybe our favorite 11 minutes of the week. It's a Food Friday presented by Polks and PolksMeat.com. Hey, Dad, has been gone from the house all week. He said he didn't have time to cook last weekend. I have to believe that there are large plans on the horizon for the grill this weekend. Do not disappoint me, Brian. Hey, Dad. Please, please. More coming up with you. Tune in to find out. In the Pearl River Resort Studios right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Ceasefire text line is open. We want to know what you are cooking this weekend as we, uh, we we roll into six weeks from the first full Saturday of the college football season. Your uh, your your honeydew list, your to do list should be probably starting to kind of take uh, priority over the next five or six weeks so that you can kind of clear out some of the things that need to get done so that you can have plenty of time to focus on college football when it arrives and it's going to be here before long. Time for a Food Friday presented by Polk's, polksmeat.com. When you go to the grocery store, it's simple. Look for the bright yellow packaging with the royal blue Polk's on it. Trimmed in red. They've got the uh, the smoked sausage. They've got the uh, the slider size ham that goes on the uh, biscuits. The larger pieces of ham. Uh, you can do their uh, their specialty hot dogs, uh, smoked sausage. Just think about the flavors: Cajun, garlic and green onion, original, original beef. Those are the four smoked sausages that you can get. 
from Polk's. If you can't find it at your uh, local grocery store, find a new grocery store. Or uh, go to the uh, manager of the meat department and uh, tell them that, hey, picky people pick Polk's. And I'm a picky person. And I'd like to pick Polk's at your grocery store. Please. Be a good way to approach it. All right. I want to start by going back. I, I told you guys last week we had the uh, had some red snapper and some mahi that was in the freezer that we'd caught at the Gulf, yeah. and um, yeah. it turned out great. I uh, I got cedar planks, soaked them, and I prepared the red snapper with um, a little bit of olive oil and some uh, some sea salt, and then a little sprinkling of Lowry's. And a, a pretty heavy dose of Tony Sasheries. Kids said it was just a touch spicy, but it wasn't so spicy that they didn't eat it. I thought it was perfect. We did that with a, um, oh, it was the, the corn salad. It's got the cucumbers and tomatoes that are chopped up in it. And uh, some fresh rolls. And, man, it was good. So high marks on that. I'm giving myself high marks for that. Just put it on the grill. Uh, got it to temperature. Didn't take very long to cook it. Really turned out great. So, what are you guys doing this weekend? What is the cooking plan on this Food Friday? Who's going first? Me? All right. Well, obviously, uh, tomorrow I'll be at the Neshoba County Fair for the final stop on on the Thunder and Lightning Catfish Tour. Mm. Uh, So, no cooking tomorrow. But then on Sunday, uh, I'm going to do some tacos on the grill. I got a a bunch of, uh, or maybe you want to call them fajitas. I don't know. But I've got a. I guess I guess fajita sort of requires the vegetables, and I, I'm not doing onions and peppers. But uh, I've got uh, some chicken thighs. We're gonna we're gonna season those up. Uh, I got some tortillas. I got some uh, cheese that all great. Some cilantro, some onions, and uh, we're gonna have some 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 chicken tacos. Make a little cilantro lime rice with that. And it'll be great. I like it. I like it yeah. very much. Very much. Porky, cooking plan for the weekend? And nothing intricate. Uh, little guy and I are doing our typical Friday night Mexican night tonight, so we're going to go out and get some Mexican, which, you know, I, I call it, we're getting tacos. And he gets really excited, and he doesn't want tacos. He literally just wants to take chips and eat cheese dip, and that's all That's all he wants. Taco comes, no, I won't eat it. He'll eat it the next day if there's not queso and right. chips around. But I have a 17-year-old daughter. Her favorite restaurant in the world is Mi Hacienda, just right down the street from here, Mexican restaurant. She gets a cheeseburger. It's <laughs> like, we could have gone anywhere. Man, it took me like three trips to the place to get him to bite the chip instead of just like just put it in his mouth and, and taking the cheese off of it and using that same chip to dip. Yeah, He's, He was uh, using it as a spoon. Yes, he was spooning the, the cheese with his chip. But we, we've... we've uh, Does he do that with like a carrot and ranch? Just, just get the ranch in the mouth? He'll do it with ketchup. Oh, man, we went out to eat last oh. weekend. And I got him mac and cheese and french fries, which is the only thing on the menu that he said yes to. And he'll eat french fries with as, as long as I got ketchup there, which is fine. And... I wasn't paying attention for a second. The waitress came up and she got my bill confused with somebody else. They're like, we're talking. We're having a conversation. When she walks away, I turn and look at James and he has got a spoon and he is just eating ketchup with his spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Very very typical uh, almost four-year-old boy. But no, I I did. I I saw a video of um, 
The guy called it a summer sandwich, which it's really just a sandwich that you chop up, but uh, you get some French bread, and you make essentially like a club. Now, he used uh, a grilled chicken, which I'm, I'm going to do and, and see, but he took all the ingredients of what essentially is a club sandwich. Lettuce, tomato, some uh, some good like red wine vinegar, a uh, couple different kinds of meats, turkey, ham, whatever you want, and he chopped it all up, essentially, with a couple of meat cleavers, essentially, with the, the sauces and everything. He did mayo and mustard and all that, and mixed it all up in a bowl and took the French bread and, and kind of gutted the bread a little bit, and that's how he made the sandwich. And I thought, it's really not different. However, I'm curious, and I'm going to try it. So that's what I'm going to do at some point tomorrow, is just essentially make a club sandwich, but chop the heck out of everything inside before... You put it on the bread. It looks really good, despite being nothing special. It's just the same thing, just chopped, but giving it a shot. So I, I'm actually excited about my plan for uh, for this weekend. I don't know if we're going to cook anything on the grill at night tonight or uh, tomorrow night. Obi has been at camp all week long. Um, Abe Montgomery's spending the night out tonight, so it'd be kind of low-key tonight, and they'll be tomorrow, uh, tired tomorrow. But... By the way, I just pulled up the weather app. It is currently 78 degrees outside in Oxford. We just had another front that that blew through. So here's the deal. The overnight low on Saturday is 64. So it's going to be nice when we wake up Sunday morning. Church is not until 1045, so i got plenty of time to do this. Going to fire up the griddle, and we're going to do eggs and bacon and Polk's smoked sausage, probably the Cajun smoked sausage, on the griddle. And then I'm gonna pull it off and clean it off, and then actually I'll probably do the bacon for the bacon and the sausage first. Clean it off. Gonna do pancakes, and then we'll throw some eggs on right before it's time to uh, to sit down. So gonna do breakfast outside Sunday morning on the griddle, kind of a welcome home from camp for Obi. Kids love that. Uh, probably either get some watermelon like or some strawberries. Cut those up as well. So pretty uh, yeah. pretty fired up about that. I would like to tell you guys yes, that yesterday, on the way home from Nashville, I encountered the best piece of pie I've ever eaten in my life. You, you did something that I cannot make myself do when I'm traveling home. Carry on. What was it, coconut cream pie that you tweeted a picture of? Yes. So I, I'm driving home, and I'm like, i got to get some lunch, and I'm just thinking I'll grab some Chick-fil-A or something. But I saw the sign for the Loveless Cafe, and I knew it was out of the way, and I was just like, I'm in no rush today. Let's do this. Because they're supposed to have the best biscuits in the world. Mm. And you guys know that I am the team biscuit captain. And I got there, there and they give you the biscuits when you sit down. Like You don't have to ask. They're, here they are. Homemade jam and everything. They're all good. They're good. They're not, they're not great. They're good. That was a little disappointing. Fried chicken, delicious. Very old school. Loved it. But then the waitress was like, do you, have, do you have room for pie? I was like, oh, yeah, I saved a little room because I've heard the pies are good here. And she went through the list of pies. I think you would have liked the first choice, Richard, blueberry peach pie. Yes, sir. I think that might have yes, been, been the Richard Cross uh, choice there. Maybe a scoop of vanilla ice cream on that if they had yep. it. Yep. Um, key lime, mm. chocolate fudge, Ooh. chess, which I, I like chess pie. Big fan. But when she said coconut cream. That was, I was in. 
I, I mean, in. you literally listed and, four pieces of pie mm-hmm. that I would. I might have gotten all four of them, and before the coconut, touched the coconut cream pie with a ten foot pole. I would have bought a whole coconut cream pie if I had not had a four hour ride home. If that place was across the street from my house, I would have bought a coconut a whole pie. It was incredible, the best pie I've ever had. No, no question. I mean, it's not close. It's not close. And somebody was like, "I'm gonna tell your mom." My mom didn't make pie. My mom was a cake maker, so. I got no worries about make, offending my mom. I can't make myself do what you did. I pulled out of the hotel yesterday uh, and was mm-hmm. headed home, and I was like, I'm really hungry. I haven't had lunch. I'll stop and grab something along the way. Gas tank was mm-hmm. full. It was raining when we when we left Nashville. Couldn't yeah, make myself it was. stop. Okay, I'll stop somewhere along the way. I'll stop in Dixon. I'll stop in Jackson. I'll stop in Memphis. I drove Stopping all saved the way me. home and just never yeah. even stopped. Stopping saved me from going through all that rain because I was able to ride it out there at the restaurant for the most part. Hey, uh, no doubt about it, folks. Picky people pick polks. When you shop, make sure that you're getting your polks meat products, Cajun smoked sausage, garlic, and green onion, and more. We'll hit a few of your suggestions before we finish up the show because some of them are really, really good. When we come back, our conversation from this week at Media Days with Ross Dellinger on the Farm Bureau guest line. Super Talk Mississippi. Check the fire. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi from SEC Media Days in Nashville. Our coverage presented by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Familiar face, familiar voice uh, for our regular listeners, Ross Dellinger, uh, with a new job now at Yahoo Sports. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting. Kicked it off with the uh, SEC Media Days kickoff, so it's been been good. Been a busy week. Uh, good move for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. You know, I, um, I tell people I, my job will pretty much stay the same. You know, I'll still live in D.C. and still have the same role, still cover a lot of SEC stuff. Um, probably have a little more freedom um, nationally, and uh, I have I'll have less print readers, but I think much m- many more digital readers. So uh, that'll be the biggest change, probably. When you look at the the national landscape, there's so many things going on, and we've talked about those with you, whether it's NIL or conference realignment or missioner changes, whatever. You, you've been very involved in that. But, what, I know breaking stories is a big part of what you do, but when you think about what your job is from a big picture standpoint, how do you look at it? Yeah, it's it's evolved. Um, it's evolved with college athletics as it has evolved. Uh, you know, I started this job writing, uh, you know, being more, I guess, storytelling feature oriented. Uh, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, obviously, at SI, big profiles, they've kind of been, you know, known for that through the history. Uh, so that's what I started to do um, when I got the job. But uh, the off-the-field, the sports business part of college athletics has become so important. Um, and there's so much news and big stories and just the evolution of so many things are changing. Yeah. That that I, I drifted toward that really 
probably during like the COVID year, you know, or, or at, around that time, started drifting toward more college uh, business type sports stories because the the industry was evolving so much. And so that's how I see it a little bit. I mean, I, I still like to in, in do write the player feature and coach feature and all that stuff still and like to tell people stories because that's a big part of, I think, uh, what journalism uh, or sports journalism should be is, is humanizing people in the industry for readers and fans to understand them better. But with the news cycle, how it is in the evolution of, of athletics, it's just so big. That's such a big, been, become such a big part uh, of my job. You know, with, you and I are about the same age. Borky is a little bit younger, but this might even apply to still when Borky was, was in college. There was a time where you graduated journalism school and you were like, hey, this is what I want to do. It was like there was kind of a clear pinnacle. Like it, it might have been writing at Sports Illustrated as a, a national reporter. It might have been a national type person at the New York Times. But because the landscape has changed so much, I, I'm curious in your view, what is the pinnacle of this profession now? Hmm. Yeah, you get probably all. You're going to tell me Yahoo Sports, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, get, I guess it. You know, it probably depends on who you're talking to. I, I think there are, uh, there are writers in this league that have been uh, beat writers for 30 years, and yes. they're fine with that. They are very comfortable with that. And I actually thought I would be a beat writer for 30 years. You know, I only think I wanted my goal as a, uh, you know, journalism major and all this stuff when I was in college, my, my goal was to cover a, big football program as a, as a beat writer, you know, and, and then maybe that, that leads to, you know, more of a feature oriented role for me, whether that's at a local newspaper or a more regional outlet or something, but it was really never to, <laughs> never to do this. It, it this wasn't, <laughs> um, you know, being a big picture, uh, sports news, breakers slash whatever i mean that, that just wasn't uh what i necessarily aspired to 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 do but it it evolved it evolved that way you know you said you like telling the the human stories and and we spoke last week on our show about how we're getting less and less of of players and coaches mm -hmm. even we'll talk to pete golding for example at old miss one time mm -hmm. and it'll be at the beginning of the season and that's it do you find that carrying over everywhere in college football because we hear from fans it's i don't even know who's on the team anymore i don't know these guys that's got to be a negative for college football doesn't it yeah it's hard to tell um people's stories when they aren't available to you uh and, and they don't <laughs> talk or don't want to talk or can't talk or or whatever it's hard it's hard it can be done um uh but uh it, it makes it makes it more difficult um and i don't i think I think the the head coaches that um, you know, don't don't allow their assistants to talk very much are probably not just doing the fans and uh, readers a disservice, but probably mostly are doing their coaches a disservice for um, their next jobs. Uh, it always helps to get used to the camera and get used to interviews and and be quoted and, and be talked about and be written about. Um, and, and I think there's a disservice, a disservice being done a, a little bit. But, you know, uh, if I was a head coach, uh, 
Now I want, you know, one message across all platforms from, you know, my football program. I guess I could see why you would not let them talk. But and, and you know, I, I know they're college kids and college kids aren't adults with families and children. But you, you look at the NFL, which is so it makes so much more money. Uh, the, the players are, are much bigger profile. And yet Patrick Mahomes, a half a billion dollar quarterback. You hear from him every day, and and he has to. He's obligated to talk to reporters every day, and so you know so much about Patrick Mahomes. But the SEC's leading rusher last year, we're going to get to talk to him for the first time going into his second year. And I, I just I wonder if there's somebody's going to figure out to change that because Quinchon Judkins is a skateboarder. Did you know that? No, I didn't. But Why don't know, people know that? The, it's a really cool yeah, factoid yeah. about him, and nobody knows that about him. The, I, I can't stand that. The NIL uh, era that we're in, I think, is probably starting to ch change that. Maybe. I mean, you're you're uh, you're seeing that college athletes have a bigger voice than ever, and you know they have they can have agents now, and, and so they have representatives, they have marketing agents, and so you're you're starting to see them. Um, Maybe be available outside of the school, right? A little more, uh, which, God forbid, scares coaches to death. Uh, but you're starting to see that happen more. So, you know, maybe that's a positive of all this. Visiting with Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports, covers the SEC, covers all of college football. Greg Sankey said something on Monday uh, about conference expansion, said 16 teams is where they're focused. That's what you would expect him to say. But I thought we got a little bit of a peek behind the curtain when he used the word super conference for what the SEC is going to be. Is that a signal in your mind from Greg Sankey that it doesn't really matter what else happens nationally? We're good where we are? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk but really over the last, like, six to eight months. Certainly last year when USC and UCLA announced they were going to the Big Ten, there was a lot of talk internally at the SEC and the SEC president board about what do we need to respond is you know should we expand it more and i think greg sank has been keeping his presidents updated on the landscape over the last few months um and i think they're quite comfortable with uh with the 16 that they have i, I don't think there's uh they don't feel any earnest to to go out and add more in the teams out there you know Schools that are not in the SEC or Big Ten, the the other options of who would you add, who would be worth value? Right. There's only like four or five of them, and and most many of, of them are tied five, down yeah. by a grant of rights yeah, in the ACC that extends for another 13 years, and nobody really wants to to fool with that. So I I do, and I think we might in the coming days or weeks, the Pac-12 um, probably will have some kind of TV deal, and it does seem to. to feel like the 10 will stay intact um you never know and if that happens there'll probably be some stability for a little okay. while you know for at least four or five years only a couple of minutes left um you pointed out a second ago that you live in dc mm -hmm. uh greg sankey has continued to say a, a national solution a legislative solution is maybe the only thing that can kind of stabilize the nil you, you watch congress and the way it functions up front uh, one of the things that, that stood out to me was he said uh we need a nonpartisan agreement because this is a nonpartisan issue but the fact is the people that have to do it are partisan yeah so how do we get to that yeah or do we yep 
Yeah. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> it, the way it's gone, you know, it, it, it's not a... Uh, I mean, this has been going on for four years now, you know, uh, three and a half, four years that the NCA has tried to encourage Congress to pass something. And there's been eight hearings and more than a dozen bills that have been introduced and nothing's even got really past the first step, yeah. which is being brought up in, in a committee room. So and you've spent a lot of time in those committee rooms. So yeah, kudos to you for that. Yeah. Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports. Always appreciate your time. Yeah. Good being Take a time out. We'll be back at SEC Media Days in Nashville after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi. time with you. Thanks again one last time to Genteel for being the presenting sponsor of our coverage of SEC Media Days in Nashville this week. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find Genteel products at men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi like Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, the Country Gentleman in Greenville, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reeds and Starkville and Randy Price and company in Hattiesburg. For a full list of retailers, go to the uh, Genteel website. You can find them all over the southeast, hundreds of stores carrying Genteel products. You can also go online to genteelapparel.com and find 25% off on select styles for their end-of-the-season sales. They clean out the summer stuff and get ready for the fall which is uh, already coming in for the uh, the next season. That's genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, tomorrow's my anniversary, guys. Ooh, happy anniversary. Hey, congrats. Thanks for putting up with what, me. What, 20 years? Uh, 17. Tomorrow will be 17 wow. years. Well, you were trying to make an old joke, weren't you? No, I actually was trying to do the math. Oh, yeah, no, uh, 2006, July 22nd, 2006. Very similar. What's the plan? Although, huh? What's the plan? Uh, super low key. Good reservation are, somewhere? Yeah, we are going to pick Obi up from camp in the morning. Hey. <laughs> so, that's what you do when you've been married for uh, 17 years. Uh, and I think we'll probably sneak out to uh, dinner tomorrow night if everybody's up for that. But, but little man's been gone all week, and uh, mama's, she, she loves her baby boy. And so I don't know if she's going to uh, want to slip out tomorrow night. Hopefully, we're going to sneak off for a uh, a quick weekend trip somewhere before the uh, football season starts. So that's what we're uh, we're working on. But happy anniversary to Jane! Oh. And appreciate her putting up with uh, me all this time. Hey, if you are uh, if you're in the market for a new Ford truck, Belk Ford is the place to go. Belk Ford on Highway Six West in Oxford. Really good selection. I, uh, I drove by on my way to the studio a little while ago. Notice they've got a couple of great-looking expeditions that are on the lot, both the, the regular size and the Max. So the Max is the, the longer with the third row. 
a couple of Broncos that are out there, and, of course, a great selection of Ford F-150s. You can uh, visit them in person. You can shop online at belkford.net. Uh, give them a call if uh, there's a specific vehicle that you're looking for. They can help you out with that. If uh, if you're really picky and you want to order one, they'll be happy to do that for you. Uh, just got to be a little patient on the uh, the timeline there. Uh, great people at Belkford, outstanding sales staff that will treat you like family and also service after the sale with a really good service department that can handle the routine stuff like oil changes and tire rotations and the more complex stuff that uh, is not fun to think about but know you're getting a fair price from professionals. They will handle that at the Belkford Service Department. Belkford, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Tell them we sent you. Sports Talk Mississippi sent you to Belk. Ford. Whew. All right. What a weekend. And then, so training camp in the NFL is starting. If it hasn't started for your team, it'll start next week. Do we know yet when the college teams start? Two weeks. So it is two weeks. Two yeah, weeks I'm, from I, when? I think I said, uh, I think I'm pretty sure state reports on the third. Okay. I, I don't know specific date. I just heard a bunch of players at media days talking about two weeks until the start of camp. So right there around that first week of August, I mean, that makes sense because everybody's playing. I, I guess Vanderbilt maybe is starting a week sooner. Vanderbilt could be a week away since yeah. they play that week zero game. Um, but, yeah, you uh, it's time. Yeah, I saw a bunch Almost. of people, by the way, uh, I don't mean to single anybody out, but like there, there's a show that's an on-demand show that's not the next round. That's that's on a what used to be a political platform, but now they've dipped into other things as well. And they brought on a sports show, and, and the host of that show took a picture of Vanderbilt Stadium and was like, "Oh, did anybody tell them they have a game in a few weeks?" It's like, "Hey, hey, pal, they're doing a gigantic renovation to the stadium. Those don't get done in an off season." Yeah, I, I saw some of that floating around. Look, I mean, there, there's plenty of time to poke fun at Vandy. Why are you going to poke fun of them when they're actually investing $150 million into their football program? That seems like not the right time to pick right. at Vandy. It, what you should I, do is I, take I that picture and say, it's about time, is what you should say. Good. Yes. But uh, that was so odd. And he wasn't the only one either. It was People were like, oh, my gosh, they have a game. Like, how could they do this? Well, what yeah, would you suggest they do? Just dumb. Just um, Hey, uh, fun week coming up next week. Next Thursday, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at Trustmark Park, the home of the uh, Mississippi Braves, for a special event. KLLM will be unveiling to the public the 2023 Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and Jackson State football equipment custom-wrapped tractor trailers. We were there two years ago for that event, and it's really cool. So uh, you can do a double dip. You can uh, you can check out the uh, tractor trailers, get in the cab, one of those brand-new trucks. They'll let you do that. Probably not going to let you drive it. I mean, you can ask, but I, I don't think that's the plan. And uh, check out the new custom wraps on uh, those trucks, and you can catch some uh, Braves baseball as well. Thanks for being with us all week long. Fun week. We'll rest a little bit this weekend, and we will reset and be ready to roll with you on Monday afternoon, just after 3 o'clock, for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.